my name is Crispina French and promoting creative textile reuse is my jam. I'm an OG textile alchemist, worked my way through art school making ragamuffins from thrift store sweaters way back in the 1980s. That college side hustle grew into a full-fledged business and here I am today to show you how to do it too. Stick around for all the things helping to navigate both the chaotic and dreamy chapters of building your profitable textile upcycling business. We'll talk material sourcing, business savvy, product development, marketing, and self-care. Gloss over the hard parts? Not here. Experience, lessons, and know-how. Deep dive into the struggles, wins, and rewards of running your sustainable textile upcycling business. Think of this as your favorite craft class mixed with environmental business school. Are you ready to be inspired, energized, and supported? This is the Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast. Today's episode of Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast is brought to you by Sideshow Clothing on Etsy and in person in Craryville, New York. Are you a burgeoning fashion icon who delights in your individual style? Maybe you have a penchant for really good clothing, a love of creative presentation, and respect for our life-giving planet. Or, if you are like me, you like to wear well-made clothing to handle your daily grind and stand up to the test of time. Sideshow Clothing has what you need. Vintage workwear, boots galore, jackets, dresses, ethnic and western wear, the works. Mary curates this creamy collection of inventory, some dating back over 100 years, but mostly fashions from the 1970s through the 1990s. If you want to honor the quality of well-made clothing and stand out in the crowd, check out sideshowclothing.com, where you will find an anecdote to fast fashion and so much more. Hello, listeners. I am so excited to introduce you to someone I just stumbled across on the internet, which is honestly, it's such an amazing tool to connect across the world. Today, I'm going to be speaking with and learning about Saran from a company called Frust Upcycling, and she is actually located in Turkey. So as we're recording this interview, it is nine o'clock in the morning for me, and it's at the end of her day, five o'clock in the evening for her. So um, one of the things I found really notable about Saran's collection is it's very it's very hers. There's not, it's a very original design. I don't, I haven't seen anything that, that um, mirrors it or, or seems like um, an influence for her. So I, I know that she's a very creative mind and I'm really excited to learn from her just about like how she found herself where she is. Like, how did you get interested in reusing um, fabrics that might be going to the, the garbage or the landfill? Hi. Wait, before we even get started, Saran, I just want to say welcome and thank you for taking this time. I really um, am so, so excited to learn more about you. Hi, and I'm really nice. Uh, it's really nice to meet you. And I'm, thanks for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. So, yeah, could you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got interested in what you do? Uh, I was working as a designer for a Turkish firm for the last six years before the corona pandemic. Uh, and then uh, I got uh, fired with my severance, thankfully, just before Corona. And then I just started playing around with my. Strength. So wait, when you say you were um, working for a designer, it was a clothing designer. 
Yeah, it was a Turkish brand. Uh, it's it was an old one. It closed down uh, oh. just last year, oh. uh, and I was working there from uh, 2014 to uh, to till the beginning of 2020. Yeah, yeah, and it was nice. It was a like uh, it was a company I really liked. It it's a 40 year old one. It closed down on its 40th anniversary, uh, and I oh, learned a lot wow. there. So did you learn a lot about like the industry of um, fashion in that job? Yeah, and it was a, a great place to learn because they were producing like small batches of everything. It, was, it wasn't that big uh, corporate company. It was just nice. an old brand uh, which started in the beginning of 80s. So it was How really cool. like I could see a whole, the whole, uh, I could see a whole, the whole process. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And after that, I just really didn't want to, you know, it, it was the pandemic and I didn't really, there wasn't any more like, uh, any other job that I wanted to apply. I just want to kept going on my own. And I had, a, uh, had an Etsy store, like before I started working in around 2011 and I already know the, have known the platform. So that's really helpful, mm -hmm. right? Just to have that little bit of ease. Yeah. Yeah. So then, um, so you, that's so cool. That history though. So you're, did you go to uh, college to learn about fashion or how did you uh, get to that job? I went to college, but I studied political science and public administration. I was just interested in making my own clothes. I started like playing around with my grandmother's sewing machine when we had that. And I didn't thought that it will turn into an occupation. I will just I was thinking I will graduate and then go to a white color standard job like all my friends do. Yeah. But around uh, at my last year at college, I started. Uh, I wanted to learn more about pattern making, so I went to ESMO for a short course. But then they needed an assistant to translate the courses to Turkish because, like, it was their second year in Istanbul and they had uh, foreign teachers. They had to like come from the headquarters. So I started uh, translating there uh, and learned more about pattern making and then like decided that I, w I wasn't going to like go search for a, a white color day job. Like I want yeah, to and in, aren't you glad? in a more creative. Yeah. It's yeah. so much more fun to be creative yeah. all day. Right. Yeah. And not, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's so cool. So you're, um, just starting your business in the pandemic. It's like, I feel like the pandemic gave a lot of people who have creative, um, you know, who are creative, this opportunity to be creative and have time to think and develop their ideas in a way that normally wasn't possible with uh, everything yeah. being so busy. Right. It was by like, it was lucky for me, not for the rest of the work, but I started a few months before the pandemic, before the pandemic broke out. So I was already at home after six years of working for six days a week. And I was really like, uh, in a more comfortable, like, I was ready to spend some time at home, but then everybody else joined me and it was just, uh, it was a coincidence for me. But yeah. yeah, yeah, it's funny. I don't know. I don't know if there's really coincidence, but I feel like there's this. Um, yeah, like you said, the pandemic was such a horrific thing for so many people. It mm -hmm. yet the people who 
survived it and were able to um, create something beautiful from it, I feel like it's almost like uh, the balance that that we are given in 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 our lives, right? Like there's always this ter- there's always a really good and really bad, and we get to kind of find the middle ground if we're lucky, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, um, how do you, how are, talk, talk about your production process now. So you source material from, uh, places that it's, uh, uh, it's yeah, that's since there's a lot of textile manufacturing in, going on in Turkey, there's a lot of pre-consumer textile waste. They call it this end of rolls, dead stock, all kinds yeah. of fabric before like they turn into clothing. They are just like sold as scraps in bazaars. Uh, which travel every day like to cities around Istanbul until like before they end up in landfill they are sold in bazaars and little shops in different neighborhoods so like little bazaars you can go there and buy uh, yeah loads of fabric and all kinds of textile waste like buttons zippers threads everything you need like and more Wow, I want to come and visit you. Yeah, you should. <laughs> it's like we're really rich in uh, waste. So. Yeah. So this is in Istanbul, in the yeah. city of Istanbul? Yeah. yeah. Is, is that of, kind of a center for, for manufacturing clothing? Is it mainly clothing? Yeah, there's a lot of textile manufacturing going on in Istanbul, especially, yeah. and also like in other cities. Bursa. Yeah. 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 We get a lot of like beautiful cotton things from Turkey, like... Turkish cotton is like you big deal, you know? Yeah, they also, yeah, the uh, fabric manufacturers also, they have, like, when it's out of season, they throw away all their sample fabrics and everything. So it's really a paradise of uh, waste. All Like, it's surprising what you can find, and it's different each time, and you can't have a, a preconception of what you make for the next season because it's, like, whatever you find. And I think it's, the most fun part the finding out and collecting them and mixing and matching textures and colors bundling yeah them your together. work is so beautiful in that way Siren. it's um i really love the way that you use like i the piece the first piece i saw of yours was a vest and it had um like ribbing from the like sweater ra- fragments that you had put together different right different kinds of ribbing together it was just just really beautifully uh collaged really it's like uh the way you put the fabrics together is really lovely so for anybody who um is not familiar you can find seren's collection on etsy it's f-r-u-s-t recycling or no upcycling right upcycling yeah it's uh, actually uh frustum with double m uh not dot etsy dot com okay okay yeah they um yeah we will have links to all the um, places that we talk about in the episode at the show notes page. So if anybody is driving or doesn't have a moment to write anything down, you can find links there to Siren's collection. So, um, so when you like, how were you, did you get initially get interested in the upcycles factor just because it was accessible to you and it was in, uh, there's all of these materials that yeah. you can access. Is that what drove you there? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Uh- it was too accessible, like it was everywhere. And it, that's how I got started playing around with waste. But while I was working also, like mm, when you mass produce, not if, if you, even if it's not in great numbers, but if you have to do a hundred of a model, a 
kids. Then yeah. there's a lot of uh, effort that goes to raise trials and uh, the first few cuts of it. And it's really like sad to see all that beautiful stuff go to waste. Yeah. And I was, I think I was a bit, bit embarrassed, like to be in the fashion industry when it's the second most polluting one. And it's not really like, it's just fun, but it's not essential. So yeah. it's like a way of, I don't know, compensating for the, uh, the more like, I don't know, negative parts of the industry. Yeah, it's true, right? It kind of balances out when you are able, I feel like that with my work a lot, just, you know, to sh the uh, there's a couple things like for, for myself, like, okay, there's all of this waste, but if I can just like circulate some back into what's maybe seen as not waste, right? Like new things that people are drawn to. I think the other thing that happens, I think is people see you know, even people who are maybe not drawn to upcycled material just for for any particular reason, but someone sees a piece that you make and they're like, oh, that's beautiful. And then as an afterthought, they say, oh, it's made out of waste material. How, like they never might've never thought of that before. So it's almost like each piece that goes into the world is a teacher, yeah. right? And there's like this opportunity for for anyone who's upcycling in, in a production way that you, to actually spread the word without saying anything, right? Just making product that people buy and wear and use and their, their, their friends and their circles of people see it and then are influenced by it. So I think that's really super cool. Yeah, it's great that they're spreading out and yeah. Yeah. Keeping it, like, keep doing it slowly. Yeah. And, and I, I think the other the thing that I, um, textile upcycling, I wonder if that's something that you feel too, like, you know, in, in our culture, for sure, like we get inundated with all this negativity about, you know, well, about pretty much everything, but, um, you know, there's the, the environment is falling apart and all the animals are dying and there's invasive species in the forests and there's just all of this doom and gloom and the weather patterns are all screwed up and people are going to be drowning and uh, blah, 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 right? All this terrible <laughs> stuff. But when you can take and use your creativity and, and it's joyful, right? Like it turns, it's almost the same as using that material to kind of balance the negativity of the fashion industry. If you can create joy with making with waste you're balancing the negativity of like the the doom and gloom uh prom like promotion of our environmental crisis right yeah, like, it, hope. like even if it's a little bit yeah yeah everybody has the ability to to contribute to the solution yeah. you know it's yeah that's cool so do you sell your, your work? And um, so talk about your collection, first of all, like um, I've seen it, but I think most of our listeners will be new to you. So um, talk about how you design your collection and what kind of pieces you make. Well, I have a few favorite patterns that I use that are mostly multifunctional, like they, you can wear it both ways, like with a V-neck or a scoop neck. And uh, I just apply those patterns to the bundles of colors I uh, make and then I collect the little scraps and just design around them like whatever I have left as cutting waste I have to work around it so I try to minimize the scraps I throw away I don't usually I keep my even the little tiniest trimmings and just 
you know, they they pile up and then they meet each other and then I just uh you know design around whatever I have. So it's not really uh like I draw some of them but then they, it just completes itself, I guess. It's a I find out with the process. Yeah. It's so cool, right? It keeps it so interesting. It's never boring. There's always a new thing to incorporate or a little different. Like every single thing is different. It's never. And, and there are like little pieces of waste, like waste, but like cutting, cutting waste that I have to like use because it gets piled up. So I just uh, work out with the, the little piles I have. What do you do with the littlest pieces? I stitch them together into little patchworks and use them around, like, uh, when you have, a, like, really limited amount of fabric and the pattern doesn't fit it, I just do tiny patchworks to around the edges to cover the pattern and then use it to, like... Um, you make your fabric bigger with it. That's yeah, so cool. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. What a great, like, I need it a little bit bigger. Hold on a second. And you just make it bigger. That's so beautiful. <laughs> Very creative. That's awesome. If you're just tuning in, we are um, talking to Seren from Frust Upcycling. And we are going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Today's episode of Rags to Riches podcast is brought to you by the Stitcherhood Recycling Society my online membership community for creative textile upcycling, recycling, and reuse entrepreneurs. Inspiration, shared experience, tutorials, business savvy, and connection to a whole posse of people who understand the passion and intricacies of running an environmentally kind creative textile upcycling biz. Daily posts, weekly stitch hours, Book recommendations, group chats, member profiles, and strong connections is what you can expect when you join Stitcherhood. Head on over to stitcherhood.crispina.eco and sign up for a free seven-day trial to see if my Stitcherhood Recycling Society is a good fit for you and your textile upcycling business. Okay, we're back. My name is Crispina French. And I'm your host at Rags to Riches podcast. And today we're talking with Seren from Frust Upcycling. She is in Istanbul, Turkey, and she has the most incredible collection using uh, mostly pre-consumer um, garment factory waste, a lot of knits that I've seen. She's new to me, so I'm learning along with you guys. And Seren, talk about, we were just talking about how you use the littlest pieces of scrap to enlarge the pieces of fabric you're cutting from to accommodate the um, pattern sizes. So the pieces I've seen are like, you can wear them frontwards or backwards. They're kind of gender neutral, right? Like they're kind of, they're not really, um, they're just really cool, yeah. boxy and uh, yeah, layered. Really loose fit, so they can like I don't know fit anybody type, mostly any size. Yeah, and, yeah. I I try to be more gender neutral, like more unisex as much as I can be. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> It's interesting, right? Like, I think that that term in our culture for sure is kind of new, you know, gender neutral clothing. Yeah. <laughs> and for the longest time, you know, I don't, you, you might not know, but back, I started a production company making recycled clothing um, and home goods, blankets and, and rugs and things too. But the clothing was always gender neutral because I, that's what I like to wear. I like to wear big 
things that I can layer. Uh, I live in a pretty cold climate, so I love wool, you know, and it's it, um, the other thing that I thought was interesting when I was creating my production. And I, I think that you probably have the same um, like people in, our, you know, a lot of very large size people could wear my things because they were big. Yeah. And yeah. a lot in back, this was back in like the late 1980s and early 1990s that um, the women who were the larger size women who find my, found my product were so excited about it because at the time, I think it's changed a little bit. It was really hard to find interesting, nice, even, even good quality clothing and sizing that fits, you know, most American women. And for them to be able to say, oh, you know, can you make me something with, you know, red or whatever? And sure, no problem, you know, like, or they would find something already made that they liked, but it was just really um, freeing for them. And I feel like your collection also is like very uh, forgiving is the word that comes to mind, but it's more than that. It's, it's designed for people to wear of, like you said, body type is inconsequential. Right. They're very, um, the drape is beautiful. The way that they're constructed is beautiful. And I can imagine that just working with so many different body types of any gender. And it's, it's, I, I think that's a beautiful way to design. So kudos to you for that. And I wonder if that was like something that you thought about, or if it just is how that came to be, like how, why did you design or why do you design in that manner? No, I, I also like wearing that way too, like a uh, large loose fit clothing on top of each other. And also like I don't have any chance of doing, I do like maybe three of each piece sometimes, maximum three of each. Mostly they are just one of a kind. And I, I wanted it that I wanted them to fit like anyone who might want to wear them, not just small yeah. or medium sizes, but as much as people as possible. So. Yeah. And it, it's funny, right. From a business standpoint, it's really good as well, which was kind of, I think where I kind of started with it because yeah, if you, you're, because you're limited in your batch runs, you yeah. have to have, I mean, you don't have to have, but the, I, if you have free sizing, then it, you don't have to have small, medium, large, extra large, extra small, whatever. Like it's just here, this is the size. Yeah. And, and also it means more you. ways to like grade the pattern and then just cut accordingly. I just do it as large as it can be according to the fabric size I have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So if you could, um, if you could imagine yourself, like imagine yourself in like two years and everything that you dream about your business doing and being is exactly what happens. Where do you think you want to take your business? How, how, how do you want to move forward? Well, I, I think I want to stay as amateur as possible, like do it slowly and the way I like it, uh, not to rush anything or to like start doing, I don't know, many of the same. But I, I think I might like to get some help with, like, for the sewing part. So maybe I can just uh, spend more time on more elaborate pieces, like t more like tinier stitchings and the smallest scraps to play around with. And I think I would also do more than just clothing. Like there's a lot to do with fabric. And I don't know, I, I really, I'm excited to... I want to play around with lampshades and stuff like that. Yeah, I I don't know. I just want to like keep it. It's and it's it's keep, been a slow keep creative, progress, right? So. Like, it's, sorry, I interrupted you. No, it's okay. I was just saying it's it's been a slow progress so far, but 
I enjoyed the process, so it's okay. But I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel the same, ever. you know, it's it's such a blessing to have something that you can do for work that you, that I, I mean, I don't know, I hope that I, I feel like just from talking to you now that you love what you do and mm-hmm. your product certainly looks like you love what you do. And Thank if you, you think about, you know, if you had chosen to go into your college career path, you know, I, I would imagine that you wouldn't be doing something that you love as much, right? So mm-hmm. you have this opportunity, you can make your schedule, you can kind of develop, just, oh, how do you want to do it? Maybe you want to go traveling for a month. That's okay. You can stop and plan it and then go traveling for a month. You know, it's very freeing. Mm-hmm. And it's also, um, like you said, nice to just take it slowly and not have um, too much growth that's then, oh, like maybe not comfortable, right? Yeah, that wouldn't be sustainable, I guess, for me to like, I can keep at a pace, but. Yeah. Do you have, do you do everything by yourself right now? Or do you have anybody who helps you? No, I do everything on myself. Yeah. So, so it's great. I think it's great that it's like uh, divided into steps. Like I do the pattern and then just cut. I love collect the fabric collecting fa- parts. <laughs> Yeah. Then the photo shoot and everything. So I sometimes get help while like shooting the photos and the rest of it. But yeah. And then do you do all the money part too? All your books you do by yourself? Yeah. That I don't keep many books, so it's just like I'm. I really work like I don't know. Not much action going on in my books, so. It's yeah. not really hard to like keep track of them. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not too complicated. That's that's good. I remember when I was starting my business, I was really young. I was in college and um I worked in a gallery and I was my boss at the gallery knew that I was starting my business and he said, As long as you have more money coming in than going out, you're doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> that's just the thing I have to pay attention to. So <laughs> It's really good business advice because honestly, you know, people, you know, borrow money or, you know, think, well, if I spend all this money now, then it'll come back to me. Well, maybe it will, but maybe it won't. And if you, if you always have more money coming in than going out, you're, you are actually doing it right. It sounds Mm -hmm. sort of silly and cliche almost, but it's, uh, it's really a good business practice. So, um, yeah, that's, that's actually the first thing that I got help with when I was running my production company and I wound up talk about fast growth. You know, my company in two years after I graduated from college, I had 40 employees and I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) I was like, and then, you know, many years went by and I just decided I didn't really like what I was doing. I wanted to be that creative person working with those little pieces of scrap. And really I was managing people Mm -hmm. and scheduling and, you know, had to sell a lot of product to keep everybody busy. So it definitely, I I would highly recommend. um, And I really actually commend your clarity on growing slowly and making sure that it's keeping it small. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And staying creative and having your hands in it. Right. Like I think it's also really cool to do everything yourself because when you're doing it all yourself, you, you know what, you know, if you get busy enough and you make enough money, okay, which of these tasks that you do in your business that maybe you want to delegate that to somebody else when you can, right? And then you, by the time you're able to do that, you know which those tasks are. So you're not mm-hmm. maybe delegating something like I did 
which was the, to me, it was like the best part was the actual making, right? Yeah. It would have been better for me to do that, design it, and then have somebody else do like all the managerial things. So really smart to do that. And um, so cool that you have this experience with a small manufacturer that you really liked working with that kind of showed you a little bit about the back, the backside of that. Yeah, I learned all that. Yeah. Yeah. How cool. So, um, Saran, is there anything that you would like to share that we haven't talked about that's important to you about your business or things that you think other people might like to learn about your business? Oof. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just try to like keep it small and slow and doing as like uh, lovingly as possible. And uh, not much really. Sorry. That's so cool. I just think that's so beautiful. You make your things as with as much love as possible. Um, so do you sell your work anywhere other than in your Etsy shop? Do you have any shops that carry it or no, anything not, like that? Not yet. Maybe later. Like I might think about that, but it's just my Etsy shop for now. Perfect. That's in it. Like again, simplicity. If, if that is, if it's working, that's beautiful. And I think that's really, really cool. Well, I would like to just um, share with our audience that Saran's collection, um, Fruist Upcycling, is really beautiful. It's on her Etsy shop. Again, links are on the show notes page. And, um, you know, working with mostly manufacturers' waste, right? Like not too many. Do you use post-consumer waste at all or just... Um, I uh, did at the beginning, but I just like ran out of all of them and I just use pre-consumer waste for now. No. Yeah, I think it's also nice to have the ability with pre-consumer waste, it's possible to make more than just exactly one, sometimes, you know, depending upon how much waste you can locate. But, um, you know, in your situation, it sounds like you can do small, like, batches of a couple, maybe three pieces yeah. that are similar. Yeah, that's cool. But and then when you photograph your work for your Etsy shop, do you photograph each uh, each one or do you photograph one and say there's three? Sorry, I didn't get the question. So one of the things I think a lot of people, especially solopreneurs, um, struggle with is photographing their work to sell online. Like mm. they don't think of it as an expense and it is a bit an expense. I'm sure you spend a lot of time photographing your things. Yeah, right? I do actually. Yeah. And it, they're beautiful. And it's I a really enjoy the, that was the first I like hated the most at the beginning, but now I just started to enjoy it like more. Yeah, I it's photographed a, them myself uh, using myself as the model, sometimes a friend. Uh, yeah, it's an expense and it's it's time consuming. And yeah, if you don't expensive. think of it as something that's part of your selling process, then your product, maybe you're not selling it for enough money, right? Like, you know, if you think, oh, this is how much the materials cost and this is how much it, time it took me to make this garment but you didn't think about how much time it took you to photograph it and post it, then yeah. your pricing could be inaccurate. Like ed adding the measurements, the pipe, the pipe. All of that, pipe. right? There's yeah. a lot to it. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it takes as long as it takes to make the thing. Yeah, almost. <laughs> right? And so um, one of the things I think is really important is to, to um, take that into consideration and make sure that when you're, pricing your things, you're, you're considering all the things that go into listing and selling a product. Um, and so most of the, well, two things, one is when I was running my production company, I was able to make 
pretty big runs of product. Like I, I made blankets that were made like out of patches and mm-hmm. they were all made out of recycled wool sweaters. So I would sell to blankets to like big retailers. Mm-hmm. I'd make a hundred of the same blanket. And they weren't exactly the same because they were slightly different, but I'd have, you know, blue and green checkers or whatever, checkered squares on a blanket. And I wonder when I photographed it, I would only photograph one blanket and they would, you know, I would say this is one blanket and they're all slightly different, but they're similar. And that was much less expensive than having a very one of a kind product, which is what I make today just by myself without Mm. any staff. Um, so today when I photograph for to sell, I have to photograph every single product that I make because they're all quite different from yeah, one it's to the next. The same for me, like too much photographing because each piece is like, you know, just like two of it. So Yeah. So then when you have two of the same, do you do you just photograph one? Yeah, right? just then, one. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. I just uh serve the second one, uh like when I sell the first one, not just yeah ahead but wait for the order yeah but they're almost that they're almost the same i can say yeah i mean probably to most people especially when you're buying from a tiny little picture on the you know on the internet they are the same they wouldn't you wouldn't be able to discern the difference and i think that working with you know manufacturers waste pre-consumer waste that's a little bit of a benefit because you can you know even if it's just you can sell two from one picture, it's actually half as much work. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, so, it's harder if it's like post consumer, then it's like so much more yeah. work. Yeah. Much more variation, right? Yeah. In the material. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a nice thing to consider too. Or if you can figure something out like I did with post consumer that will enable you to produce multiples that are indistinguishable from one to the next as far as like purchasing online goes. So that that's a just something that I, I noticed that about your shop. I think your photographs are gorgeous. And I think that Thank you. um, you know, I'm very I like I I'm I look at this stuff. I don't think most people pay attention, but I'm I thought, oh, I bet you she she posts the one image and sells multiples. And I was wondering how big your multiple runs were. And it's interesting to know two or three pieces, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. I so appreciate your time today, Saran. I look forward to staying in touch with you. I um, thank, thank you, you so much. Lovely to meet yeah, you. Yeah. Hey, so I'm over here and I'm serving you a giant air hug because you just finished another episode of the Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast. Thank you for being with me. Our music is provided by The Lucky Five. Learn more about them at theluckyfive.com. Our show is produced and edited by Van Valhyacin. If you want to dive in deep, head over to Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast.com.